What's up and welcome back to the Locked on Bucks podcast. I am James Yarko of thepewterplank.com flying solo this evening. Uh, we had a, a guest lined up in Zach Sowers from thepewterplank.com to give us a New Year's Day bowl preview. But as many of you know, sometimes life happens and he was not able to make it on tonight. And my usual co-host, David Harrison, is a little under the weather, so he also is taking the night off. So we're going to go ahead and knock out a real quick Saints-Buccaneers Week 17 preview. And uh, with that, we are just we're going to dive right in. And, and look, the last two weeks, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have played far better and far more competitively than many of us expected, myself included. They are playing for sheer pride. They are playing for... Or they are playing to to be the spoiler for some of these teams. Unfortunately, it hasn't turned out that way as they've lost to both the Falcons and the Panthers in the last two weeks. And this week's not going to be any different. They are going to be facing a New Orleans team that is still in a must-win situation. This, the Saints may have a playoff spot locked up, but they are currently fighting for the number two seed in the NFC, the first round by the home playoff game. And not only are they fighting for that spot, but they're fighting against a team in their own division in the Carolina Panthers. So they're not going to be resting any starters. They're not going to be pulling any punches. They're going to be going right after it and trying to beat the Buccaneers in Raymond James stadium to close out the 2017 regular season. And of course, as soon as that game ends, no matter if it's a win or a loss for the Buccaneers, all of the coaching speculation will go full throttle. Is Cutter going to stay? Is John Gruden going to be the focus of, of the Glazer family to be the next head coach of the Buccaneers? It's going to be nonstop speculation until we know for sure if Cutter is going to be fired and which candidates the Glazers and Jason Light will be interviewing. So with that, let's talk a little bit about this game. Jameis Winston has played out of his mind in the past two weeks. And Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times tweeted out something pretty interesting. And you all know, I am a big stats in context kind of guy. That's my that's my phrase of choice. That's my go-to. You can make statistics say anything you want them to say when you spin them the way you want them. It's all about the statistics in context. Yes, Jameis Winston had three fumbles against the Panthers this past Sunday. Two of those fumbles were caused by the offensive line's Lack of protection, allowing the pressure to get to Jameis and him being bombarded by black jerseys, forcing fumbles. Stats in context. That being said, Rick Stroud dropped some very interesting statistics on Twitter uh, earlier on, gosh, I don't even know what day it is right now, earlier on Thursday. And it says, Bucks, Jameis Winston playing weeks six through nine when injured. 
65 for 105, which is a 61.9 completion percentage. 722 yards, three touchdowns, three interceptions for a quarterback rating of 79.9. Jameis missed a few games. Ryan Fitzpatrick filled in. And since he has returned from said injury, he is 95 for 132, 72% completion percentage. 1,221 yards, eight touchdowns, two interceptions, and a quarterback rating of 114.5. In that span, his 302-yard average per game is number one in the NFL. So, since the shoulder has been healed, since he has returned from injury... His completion percentage has gone up 10%. His touchdown to to interception ratio went from 1 to 1 to 2 to 1. And his average yards per game, again, number 1 in the NFL. Now, we'll go back and I'll say it again. Stats in context. Since he's come back, he the Buccaneers have not won a game. But are you really going to pin that on Jameis? It's a team game. It's a team effort. There are 21 other players that start for this franchise. Out there on the field every Sunday. But there are those that want to pin the blame on Winston. Chase him out of town. Talk about how he's not a franchise quarterback. How he's a bust. However you want to phrase it. Quite simply... That is not true. That is not what the film tells us. Bucky Brooks of the uh, of the NFL Network. He does a podcast, or at least he used to. I'm not sure if he still does or not. But he did a podcast with Daniel Jeremiah. They would break down film. They would break down players. They would break down draft prospects. And he tweeted out a little while ago. This was, again, this was Thursday afternoon. And he says, I've said that on multiple occasions, Jameis Winston has career highs in completion percentage, touchdown to interception ratio, and passer rating. Sure, he needs to exhibit better emotional control and clean up his fumble issues, but Jameis Winston put plenty of good things on tape. We're not being homers. We're not blinded by the potential that we saw in Jameis three years ago when when he was a rookie. We're not blinded by the 
hope that he gave us as the number one draft pick. We are not pumping out false Winston propaganda because of wanting him to do better than he's actually doing. The proof is out there. Whether you want to go by the stats, whether you go by film, which is a far better way to do things. And Jameis Winston is going to be a massive, massive draw for any potential coaching change when it comes time to interview candidates. Most likely starting and ending with John Gruden. If you find yourself with some spare time this weekend, I recommend hopping on YouTube and just do a little search. John Gruden, Jameis Winston, QB Camp. The full episode is on YouTube. It's about 25 minutes to a half hour. Look at how excited John Gruden is working with Jameis, listening to Jameis, testing his mental capability when it comes to football, testing his physical capabilities when it comes to football. Tell me that guy wouldn't love to coach Jameis. Something that he never had in Tampa before. A young, talented quarterback with so much upside that the sky was the limit. Can Gruden get the best out of Jameis? I hope so if he's the guy. But at this point, I think that Gruden's going to get far more out of Jameis than, than Dirk Cutter will. Coming up, I am going to have my predictive offensive and defensive players of the game for the final Buccaneers game of the 2017 season. You are listening to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I am James Yarko flying solo on this Friday preview episode. Usually David and I will will do our offensive and defensive predictive players of the game. We'll take turns. David steals my guys. But since it's just me, I'll stick with The format, I just don't have David to bounce off of. My predictive offensive player of the game is the guy that I spent the opening segment talking about, and that's Jameis Winston. We've seen over the past few weeks the growth. We've seen over the past few weeks the Jameis Winston that we expected to see all season long. It was hampered by a shoulder injury. Missed some games for the first time in his professional career. You know, he he was on the bench, inactive due to injury. But the Jameis that we saw against the Carolina Panthers, the Jameis that we saw against the Atlanta Falcons, that was who we expected to have at quarterback all season long. Unfortunately, it didn't happen, but let's see that continue into this week. And if Jameis plays the way that he did against the Panthers, against the Falcons, the Bucks have a chance. Yes, I did say that there are 21 other guys on the field. Yes, I did say that the games are not won or lost solely on the shoulder of Jameis Winston. But 
Jameis is the positional player that can make or break the team. We've gone through year after year after year after year after decade after decade of not having that guy. If you have a quarterback, you have a chance. And with Jameis, the Bucks have a chance. Can the offensive line keep him upright? That's a conversation for another day. We are going to get into plenty of offensive line discussions when we start doing draft previews, when we are doing free agency previews. Because I'll tell you what, the offensive line that we've had in 2017, no matter which combination you want to pick, that is not the offensive line that we are going to have in 2018. Because they just didn't cut it. Did not cut it. Outside of Ali Marpet, they're all expendable. Every last one of them. Are we going to see Chris Godwin on the field? He's missed practice Wednesday. He missed practice Thursday. Is he going to be out there? Because he was quite the impact player against the Panthers. What kind of game are we going to get out of Mike Evans? Going up against Marshawn Lattimore, who he blindsided in their first meeting. You know, Mike Evans only needs 54 yards on Sunday to hit 1,000 for the fourth consecutive season. I didn't think he was going to be able to do it. But then he had that breakout game against the Panthers that I was yelling and screaming for that he had not had in his career. And by God, did he have one. Can he start off his career with four consecutive 1,000-yard receiving seasons? Not if Lattimore has anything to say about it. You think he's not playing with a little extra moxie? You think he's not going to go out there and try to shut Evans down completely after what happened last time? It'll be a heck of a matchup to watch. But it doesn't matter if you have Evans and Deshaun and Godwin and Brait. If Jameis Winston isn't the Winston we've seen the past few weeks. I have very little reason to believe that he's not going to be that guy. Going back to Rick Stroud's tweet about how he has played the statistics that he has put up since returning from injury. He's a different player. He has more velocity on the ball. He's making better decisions. He's always going to be a gunslinger. He's always going to make plays that make you shake your head. But overall, he's making better decisions since he's returned. My predictive defensive player of the game, I think I've picked him just about, we'll say, we'll say 50% of the games this year. Whether it was on here or whether it was on the Walking the Plank podcast. And I'm going to go with Levante David. He has far and away been the best defensive player on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this year. I've said it over and over and over again until I was blue in the face. He is a first team all pro. Whether he is recognized as such is a whole different story. But his level of play is undeniable. 
He's got one more game to ball out. And I don't know of any reason why he won't. You know who's not going to be the player of the game? Chris Baker. What a nightmare that has turned into. I wasn't real big on the Chris Baker signing when it happened. I understood it. I wasn't excited about it. It was just like, oh, all right, well, you know, I guess that'll help a little bit. Didn't help at all. When your biggest play of the season is jumping off sides on a crucial fourth down that ultimately costs your team the game, probably not going to be around that much longer. I don't really see a scenario where Chris Baker returns to this team next year. His guaranteed money is up. The Bucks can part ways and not have to pay a cap hit for it. I think it's more than likely they do. Guys, the, the, the 2018 Buccaneers team is going to be an interesting one to see put together. We are talking a massive overhaul. Massive. Going back to John Gruden, a lot of people like to talk about how John Gruden won with Tony Dungy's team. It's one of the favorite lines. But it really wasn't Tony Dungy's team. More than half of the roster was flipped that offseason. 28 new players were brought into the Buccaneers when John Gruden took over. 28. By my calculations, that's over 50%. You can expect more of the same if a new regime comes in. They have no emotional ties to guys like Brent Grimes, who his wife tweeted out, she doesn't know if they're coming back to Tampa, they're just looking for the biggest bag of money. Well, that's them. Brent's a talented player. If he's in it for the money, he needs to get as much as he can. I can respect that. I don't like it, personally, but I can respect it. At least they're being honest about it. There's no emotional ties to a guy like Chris Conti, who's played his butt off this season. There's no emotional ties to guys like J.R. Sweezy or DeMar Dotson or Kevin Pamphile or Donovan Smith, Clinton McDonald, William Golston. Now, I'm not saying I want to see all these players gone, but a lot of them will be. Again, I'm not saying I want these players gone, but if a new head coach comes in here, a new offensive coordinator, a new defensive coordinator, there's going to be turnover. Doug Martin, gone. Charles Sims, more than likely gone. Jacquez Rogers, probably gone. Peyton Barber is the only running back on the team I think has a shot at being here in 2018. And even then, he's going to be the complimentary guy, not the feature guy. 
you're talking about massive overhauls. And it's going to be interesting to see unfold because it's not a full rebuild. The foundation is there. Jameis, Evans, Godwin, Brait, O.J. Howard, Ali Marpet, Gerald McCoy, Levante David, Quan Alexander, Kendall Beckwith, Vernon Hargraves, Justin Evans. The foundation is there. The building blocks are there. It's going to be an attractive job if it's one that opens up. But if Cutter stays, things have got to change. Mike Smith can't keep doing this nonsense that he's doing on defense. Todd Munkin deserves the opportunity to call the plays to be a true offensive coordinator. So, predictive offensive player of the game, Jameis Winston. Predictive defensive player of the game, Levante David. Final score prediction. The New Orleans Saints are going to come away with this one, 23-21. And it will be yet another last-minute defensive collapse. The defense will play well, as they've done the past couple weeks. But when Drew Brees gets the ball in his hands, with less than four minutes to go, only needing a field goal, he's going to get it. The soft quarters coverage... The bend but don't break, it doesn't work. Especially in those clutch situations. We've seen it all year long. And with no pass rush to get after Drew Brees, to get him off his spot, to rattle him a little bit, he's going to have all day to pick the defense apart. So the Buccaneers will finish the season at 4-12, likely a top five pick in the draft. But we'll see how the rest of things shake out. With a win, the Saints clinch the number two seed in the NFC. They get a home playoff game. They get a first-round bye. Should the Bucks pull it off, things can get real, real interesting Not only in the NFC South, but in the NFC playoff picture. It's kind of unfortunate that the game gets bumped to 425 so that all these games are going to be going on at the exact same time. But I understand they want to do it for the ratings. They want to do it for the intrigue. The the red zone channel is going to be lit starting at 4 o'clock with all of these playoff implication games going on simultaneously. So, I am James Yarko of thepewterplank.com. You can find me on Twitter at jyarko underscore bucks. You can find my co-host, my co-expert, David Harrison, at dh82 underscore bucks. And as always, you can find us at LockedOnBucks and at thepewterplank. We would like to thank each and every one of you for joining us here on this Friday preview edition of the Locked On Bucks podcast. And I wish for all of you to have a very nice and safe 
New Year's Eve. If you're going out, please have a designated driver. Call an Uber. Call a Lyft. Call a taxi. Call a friend. Be safe. Not only be safe for yourself, but be safe for those around you. Be safe for the others on the road. Not a single thing wrong with going out with your friends, going out with family members, bringing in the new year in a big party. But please, be safe and make sure that you come back with us on New Year's Day. For David Harrison, I am James Yarko. Thanks so much for joining us once again at Locked on Bucks.